Fantastic. Well, it's, uh, it's great to get together. And uh, before we take some time to, to unpack part of, of, of God's word and things, I want to ask you to, to turn back to maybe the people who you were chatting to at the beginning of the meeting and you said hello to, maybe the people you introduced yourself to, and to get into to twos or threes. And I want you to try and answer this question. What is one thing that nearly everybody hates, but nearly everybody does? That's the question. So if you want to turn around, so what is one thing that nearly everybody hates, but nearly everybody does? So why don't you just turn around, have a chat to some of the people around you, and then we'll see what some of your thoughts are. Go for it. Okay, fantastic. So if we get back together again, anybody brave enough to shout out a couple of ideas? So what do people think? Go on. Snorers. Snorers. Okay, anybody a snorer? (laughs) Any other ideas? Tony? Gossip. Gossip, yeah. Sorry? Bad driving. (laughs) Speak for yourself, Derek. (laughs) Any other thoughts? Go on, Amanda. Sin, yeah. And was that taxes, Peter, I heard at the back there? Yeah. Steve? Failing. Yeah, good. Fantastic. Some, Some good thoughts. Some good thoughts. The one thing that I was thinking of, and it's not a particular fun thing, because as I say, it's something that while everybody does it, pretty much everybody hates it too. But the one thing that I was thinking of is judging people. You know, I think pretty much every person I know hates to be judged. You know, there is something in us that reacts to, to defend ourselves, and we can get almost offended and think, how dare they? You know, when we feel people are, are, are judging us for, for being late, or for, for not doing enough. We're, we're quick to jump in with all of the reasons, all of the balls that we're trying to, to juggle, all of the things that we're struggling with in life. Now, when we feel people are judging us for, for our life decisions, for the relationships that we have, for what we wear, or for what we eat, or for what we drink, you know, we jump in with things like, what right do they have to judge me? Anyway, they're one to talk. I saw them doing this or that last week. Now, I think pretty much every person I know hates to be judged. Some people might react more strongly and verbally about it, but no one I know likes it. And yet, despite that, it's something that nearly everybody does. Even if we'd like to think that we didn't. You know, it's dark and we see someone walking towards us along the street, and they've got a hoodie on, their hood's up, heads down, and a can of beer in their hand. Or is it we see a lady with a skirt that we think is more like a belt, and a strappy top with no coat, even though it's 11 o'clock at night in the middle of November. Without even meaning to, we make a judgment about those people. Maybe we cross to the other side of the street. Maybe we put our head down and just try to ignore them. Maybe we allow ourselves a second look. Maybe we go and introduce ourselves. However we respond, we make a judgment about those people. To help you see what I mean, why don't we watch a few funny adverts um, from an American mortgage company to see just how quickly people can judge a person or their situation simply by what they see on the surface. There she has a fractured fibula. Give him a mild sedative. So he can be able to go home tomorrow. Daddy's going to be so excited. That killed him. 
Dr. Palmer, Dr. Barbara Palmer, dial 452. Hello. How much are they asking? Well, that's a lot of money for a deck. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you're getting robbed. Now, did you hear me? You're getting robbed. AmeriQuest, an open-minded, equal opportunity lender. I don't hate your mother. Morning, Bev. Ameriquest, an open-minded, equal opportunity lender. Hey, you. You got to get down. Come on. Quest Mortgage, proud sponsor of the NFL. Look at the cute dog. funny adverts but they're only funny because we all know exactly what the person was thinking when they walked in and we know that if we'd been in their shoes we would have jumped to exactly the same conclusion you know as I said earlier judging people may be something that nearly everybody hates but it's something that nearly everybody does and the thing is that we don't just judge other people for, for being late or rude or dressing in a way that we don't think is, is appropriate in a very real way we can often judge ourselves And we can be our own harshest judges. We judge ourselves with thoughts like, I'm no good. I'm a failure. I I wish I was as pretty as they are. Why would anybody go out of their way to, to be friends with me? Or to give me an opportunity? And so even though we hate the idea of others judging us, we so often judge ourselves. And we find ourselves wanting. And you've got to wonder, what does God make of all of this? And this morning, we're continuing our series, Stepping Out, as we look together at the book of Joshua. You know, and last week, we we began the series by talking about all that God promises us as individuals and all that he's promises to us as a church, and how along with his promises, he gives us instructions. 
And he calls us to be strong and courageous and to step out and to trust him. This morning then we're going to discover that not only are we to be a people who are stepping out, but actually stepping out is something that our great God does too. You know, to recap the story very quickly, you know, we're joining the nation of Israel as they're camped on the east side of the River Jordan. God has rescued them from Egypt, and his intention was to bring them into the promised land, but because they failed to step out and to trust him, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. God has now brought them back to the River Jordan. They're preparing themselves to to cross over and to enter the promised land and begin to take hold of the the land that God has promised them. And then this is what we read at the beginning of Joshua chapter 2. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. Now, so far, this is all pretty familiar. The Israelites have been there before. You know, the Israelites had made it to the edge of the River Jordan 39 years ago, and they'd sent out spies into the Promised Land then too. What's different is that last time, Moses called all of the Israelites together and publicly chose 12 spies, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and told them to go into the land and then to bring back a report to all of the people. Out of those 12, only two brought a good report. Joshua was one of them. And at the time, the people of Israel chose to listen to the ten spies who were afraid. And they faced the consequences of choosing not to trust God. Joshua had been one of those spies. And so being back at the River Jordan, being back in this place of sending spies into the promised land must have brought back a lot of memories. And so Joshua does things very differently. He handpicks just two spies. Isn't it interesting, that's the same number of spies who had been faithful the first time. And then he sends them in secret. Nobody else knows. And he sends them specifically to the city of Jericho. This isn't about trying to win the popular opinion of the people and to persuade them that they can go and take this land. Whatever happens, the nation of Israel is going to cross the Jordan. They're going to follow God. This is simply about Joshua being a a military leader and wanting to know as much as possible about the defenses of the city and the state of their morale. So these two men probably slipped out of the Israelite camp in the uh, darkest of night when everyone else is asleep. And they swam across the river Jordan. And arrived at the gates of Jericho, maybe just in time for, to kind of blend in with the rush hour in the morning. And then we read, So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the story, that's an easy thing to gloss over. But let's just stop and, and pause for a second. The people of God come to the city of Jericho, and what's the first thing that they choose to do? They enter the house of a prostitute, and they choose to stay there. I don't know about you, but if I was imagining where the spies would go, that wouldn't be it. And it can be easy for something in us to to be shocked and to think of all the places in Jericho, why did they go to that house? 
why would they go anywhere near the house of a prostitute like Rahab? And in that moment, we judge Rahab. We devalue her. We make her a person who we look down on and we think is less than. In that moment, we look down on and judge others. We devalue the people around us. And we take away their God-given value and their worth in God's eyes. And you see, Rahab is a woman who I'm sure would have known what it was like to be judged. She's a woman who many would have thought of as, as unapproachable, as dirty. She was a person who was someone who was used to being used but not respected. She probably started to see herself in that same way, to judge herself. She probably felt like she was worth nothing. And yet God feels differently about her. When everybody else judges and pulls back, God steps out. He draws close and he reaches out to her. God feels differently about Rahab and he feels differently about you. You see, in many ways, Rahab's story is my story and it's your story. It's a story of the unapproachable, the broken, the distant, the rejected. It's a story for those who have ever felt passed over or forgotten or uninvited. It's a story for anyone who has ever felt like their past somehow disqualifies them from their future. From the future that they dream of. That their past somehow disqualifies them from the kind of relationship with God that they long for. It's a story for those who are questioning if they could ever be forgiven. It's a story for those who are searching for a hope that will renew their soul. It's a story for those who, despite how they currently feel, are holding on to this hope that maybe somewhere they might find someone who actually thinks they're worth something. It's your story and it's my story. And it's all a part of God's story. Because you see, our great God is the one who steps out even when everyone else pulls back. He's the one who no matter what you have done is reaching out to you today and every day. And we can try and and rationalize why they'd go to the house of a prostitute. Maybe it was a, a busy place full of strangers where they could blend in and hide and pick up information. Ultimately though, all that really matters is that these spies went to Rahab's house because it was the house that God led them to. Because that's where he intended for them to be. That's where he was already at work. He knew that despite what the appearances were on the surface, here was a woman who longed to know him and to follow him. Let's keep going with the story. And what happens next is that we discover that these clearly weren't particularly good, stealthy spies. Maybe they needed to work on their disguises or their fake Canaanite accents, but whatever it is, the next thing we read is that the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Don't even make it one night. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. 
Can you imagine this moment for Rahab? The decision that she suddenly faced with between protecting the spies and committing treason or handing them over to be killed. The story goes on. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts sank, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. That's an amazing statement of faith for a Canaanite prostitute to make, isn't it? She's saying that by everything she's heard, even before the spies came to see her, she already knew that their God was real, that he was the living God. And the story goes on. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So, she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. And so the spies tell, tell Rahab that as long as she and her family stay in her house and they hang a scarlet cord out of the window, that she will be safe. And then they go back to Joshua and they tell him everything that they've seen. And what we see as the story goes on is that the people of Israel, they cross the Jordan. They encircle the city of Jericho. They march around it for seven days until finally the priests all blow their trumpets and the walls crumble. The city is destroyed and the land is theirs. And where does Rahab live? Her house is a part of the city wall. A wall that's just fallen down. We read in in Joshua 6 verse 25 that Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. And so what I picture is that God works in such an incredible way that all of the walls of Jericho fall and crumble, apart from this one little section where this room is, where Rahab and her family are sheltering. And she's spared. It's a great story. It's a story of how God steps out to work in the life of the kind of person that we would least expect. And it's a story of how Rahab steps out and puts her faith into action.
But I don't want you to go home today having just heard a great story from the Bible. I want you to take home with you three key things from this story. The first thing that I want you to take home is that God looks past our labels. Now, it can be easy for us to to judge other people and even to, to judge ourselves. And so it can be hard for us to imagine that someone could know the worst of the wrong things that we have done. The mistakes that we've made or the thoughts that we've had and not judge us for them. We see with Rahab that everyone knew her dirty laundry. Every time she's mentioned in the Bible, here in Joshua and later in the New Testament, in James and Hebrews, her name always comes with the label prostitute. She can't escape it. But the amazing thing that we see with Rahab is that your past does not determine your future. Now when we turn to Jesus, God does not judge us based on our past and all the mistakes that we've made. Our forgiveness, our relationship with him, our salvation is not based on who we are or on what we've done. You know, none of us deserve God's love or his forgiveness. And yet he chooses to love us. And he chooses to love you anyway. You know, a lot of people that I know are almost stuck behind their labels. And it's become the only way that they can see themselves. But in the story of Rahab and all throughout the Bible, we see that our God is an amazing God who chooses to step out and love us, every single one of us, even the people who you would least expect. And as we choose to trust him and become his children, we are given a new label by God. You are labeled as one who is loved, one who is chosen, one who is his child. You are labeled as one who is beautiful and perfectly made, one who is holy and blameless. Those are the labels that God gives to you. And what we see with Rahab is that despite her past, God goes on to use her in an amazing way. You know, she saves the lives of the spies and plays a part in the Israelites taking the promised land. But even beyond that, she becomes a part of the people of God and she marries a Jewish man. And they have a child. And their line goes on. And Rahab's great-great-grandson was King David. And what we find in Matthew 1 is that if you add an awful lot more greats onto that, she is part of the family tree of Jesus. So God in his amazing grace not only forgives Rahab and welcomes her into his family, but he makes her a key part of his entire plan for the salvation of the human race. You see, what Satan does is he tries to take the things you label yourself with. He tries to take your mistakes from the past and the, the things that people have called you and he turns them against you. He turns them into labels that limit you. He tries to take your history and rub it in your face and say things like, how could you ever be used by God when you did this or you struggled with that? How could God possibly love you? This is the best that you can hope for. But the reality is that we have all made mistakes. We've all had wrong thoughts or nursed bad attitudes. And the amazing thing is that God doesn't pull back from us because of our mistakes. 
He chooses to step out and to draw close. It was while we were still sinners that out of his love, Christ died for us. Don't let your past disqualify you from what God is wanting to do in your life. You have no idea just how amazing his plans may be for you. God knows all about you and he says that he loves you and he wants you in his family. That he's made you perfectly. Not one part of you is a mistake. And he has a great plan for your life. And this isn't just amazing news for us here today, though it is that. But actually, you know what? It gives me and it gives each of us real hope for our loved ones and our neighbors and the people on the street. Maybe there are people in your life who you can't imagine ever turning to God. But the amazing news is that our God is continuously stepping out to work in their lives. To work in the lives of those who you might least expect. And what we see in the story of Rahab is that no one is beyond his reach. So the first thing is that God looks past our labels. The second thing that I want you to take home with you is that God draws people to him through us. You know, the starting point of how Rahab came to to faith and to realize that God was real and that she wanted to have a relationship with him is when she heard how God had been at work in the lives of his people. She'd heard about how God had dried up the Red Sea so that they could cross the, over it um, on dry land. She'd heard about how, how God had led them to victory and provided for them. And as she heard about all the different things that God had done in the lives of his people, something in her own heart began to stir. And she began to believe in him. To the extent that she was able to say to the spies, the Lord your God is a God in heaven and on the earth below. You know, when people see or hear something about what is happening in the lives of other people that can only be explained by their relationship with God, it stirs something in their hearts to have that same hope and that same relationship with God for themselves. They come to believe that God really is a living God. He's the God of heaven and the God of the earth below. Because they see his people doing things and living in ways that puts on display something of who he is. Something of his love, something of his power, something of his presence with us. Do you know, God is not only stepping out to to do all that he can to have relationship with the people who you might least expect. He's also asking us to do the same. And to put on display through our lives what it looks like to have relationship with him. That as people watch us, something would be stirred in their hearts. That as people watch us, it awakens faith within them. And that they would see that your God is the living God who is the God of heaven and the God of the earth below. 
You know, and part of this is simply living differently. Part of this is, is simply living as God wants you to live and letting that way that you treat people and your attitude and the way you approach your job put on display the work that God has, has done in you. But you know, part of this is about being strong and courageous. Part of this is about being a people who are stepping out and telling the stories of how God is at work in our lives. What he's been teaching you, how he's been growing you, how he's provided for you, the difference that he's made in those difficult seasons that you've faced. It's about putting on display all that God is doing in our lives so that people have a chance to hear those stories and to have that hunger for a relationship with him stirred within them. You know, God is always at work drawing people to himself. But part of how he wants to do that is through you and through me. God is always at work in the lives of your your family and your co-workers and your neighbors and he is simply asking that you would join him in that work. To put on display through how you live and through what you talk about how God is involved in your life giving you hope and a future and making such a difference. And as you do that, people are watching and people will notice. That's what happened with Rahab. She sees what God is doing in the lives of the people of Israel and it stirs something in her heart and draws her to him. So let me encourage you to ask God to put on your heart one or two people that you can be intentional with and look for opportunities to share how God is at work in your life. So that he has an opportunity to draw them to him through you. So the first thing to take home with you is that God looks past our labels. The second thing is that he draws people to himself through us. And the last point that I want you to take home with you is that God is looking for faith in action. You know, Rahab is talked about in a couple of places in the New Testament. And in James 2 verses 25 to 26, this is what we read. It says, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did? When she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You know, the kind of faith that God is looking for is not just a a statement of belief, but a faith that shapes how we think and how we act in life and we respond to the situations that we face. The kind of faith that means we reorder our priorities, how we spend our time and our money how we treat people, the kind of faith that means our entire lives are centered around him. And when you begin to unpack what this means and everything that Jesus teaches, this is a big deal. You know, it changes everything. You know, I know when I hold up Jesus' teaching in front of me and how How he teaches us that we should treat money or possessions or our attitudes towards other people and to put them first. Or his call on our lives to share the gospel. When I hold up Jesus' teachings in front of me, it is a constant challenge. And sometimes I know that I limit the extent to which God is able to be at work transforming me by how I limit the extent to which I will put my faith in action. And yet God's promise is that as we step out and trust him, he will never let us down. 
He will give us everything that we need. That we will discover in him life and life in all its fullness. You know, there may be things that you know God is prompting you to with right now. Changes that he's wanting you to make. You know, wrong behavior that it's time to stop. Wrong thinking or attitudes that it's time to change. Things that he wants you to step out and to do with your money. People that he wants you to come alongside and to share with. Changes in how you use your time. You know, whatever it is, let me encourage you to put your faith in action. Like Rahab, to not just make a statement of belief that our God is the God in heaven and on the earth below, but to put that statement of belief into practice in how you're living. And if God is prompting you to do something or to stop something or to make a change, let me encourage you to come and share it with one of the guys on the prayer team who will be here at the front at the end of the meeting and ask them to pray for you as you step out and put your faith into action. It may be that this morning you've never responded in faith and given your life to Jesus before. And if that's the case, then let me encourage you that whatever is going on in your life, however you, you feel, about yourself. Wherever you are at, God is reaching out to you today. He loves you. And he is inviting you to to come close to him, to recognize him as Rahab did, as the God in heaven and on the earth below. To respond by putting that recognition into action by giving your life to him. To come to him with all of your mistakes, all of your struggles, knowing that he looks past those things, that he doesn't label you with those things. But he wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a new start, to wash you clean, to give you new labels, that you're a new creation. That all of that old has gone and the new has come. You have a new beginning in him. And so this morning, if you would like to respond to Jesus for a, a new start again, let me encourage you to put your faith into action and to come and speak again to one of the prayer team or to me or just to someone who you came along with today. There is no better decision that you can make. So God looks past your labels. He looks past your mistakes and your failures and the things that people have spoken over you and he declares that you are precious, that you are loved, that you have been designed on purpose. He is reaching out to every one of you here and every person in our communities, even those who we might least expect. And one of the ways that he's wanting to do that is through you. As you put on display and freely share how God is at work in your life. Let me encourage you again to ask God to highlight one or two people who he wants you to be intentional with. And this morning as God steps out to work in your life, he is asking you to step out and put your faith into action. To be bold and courageous, to stop things and to start things as you look to center your life around him. I'm going to pray, but I just want to encourage you, if, particularly around that area of labels, if that's been something that you've been struggling with, if there have been things that you've been uh, struggling with in terms of your identity and what you've been coming under and believing about yourself or things that people have spoken of, I believe that God wants to work in your life today to bring a freedom from that, to speak truth into that 
and to set you free. So, so please do come and respond and, and come to the prayer team and, and allow them to, to minister to you and for God to work in your life today.